So you decided you want to buy a gun, but how do you choose which one? You don't have time to test every handgun, rifle, and shotgun out there. NorCal Gun Vault can help you out. Yeah, the folks that work there are passionate about firearms. They hunt, they shoot. You can tell it's not just a job for them, and it shows in their ability to find the perfect firearm for you. NorCal Gun Vault is fully stocked with hundreds of handguns, rifles, shotguns, not to mention tons of ammo, dozens of accessories. Yeah, whether shooting is just a hobby, you're a hunter, or you're thinking about owning your first gun, NorCal Gun Vault has exactly what you're looking for. By the way, if cash is tight right now, but you really want to get a gun, NorCal Gun Vault will work with you to create a layaway program individually tailored to what makes sense for your budget. NorCal Gun Vault opens seven days a week, locally owned and operated. Check them out at NorCalGunVault.com. NorCalGunVault.com. It really matters when you're dealing with experts. Go to NorCalGunVault.com, NorCalGunVault.com. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show, some Labor Day fun facts. There aren't any. There aren't any fun facts about Labor Day, are they? It's our it's our blandest holiday. It's our least like has any meaning. I mean, almost every holiday where where it's like everybody gets the Monday off, we say, "No, let's remember the reason for this holiday this weekend." While you're out boating or nah, there's no need to remember the reason for Labor Day. It's a vague tip of the cap to to working people, right? That, that started at a time when there was a different relationship between labor and right. You know, so whatever. Appreciate the day off though. Yeah, I'll sure. be barbecuing. Please welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show, uh, Ken, Jack's dad. Uh, hello, Jack's dad. How are you, sir? Hi, Drew. How are you doing? Hey, I'm good, Ken. It's nice to hear your voice. It's been a while. How you been? Oh, very good. Good. Me too. Can't complain. So you turn 80 this weekend. Uh, you have any feelings about that? Well, no, not really. I just don't think I feel that old. So, so that continues because I don't. Everybody says that, right? I don't feel as old as I thought I would at forty, etc. Yeah, right, right, right. You don't know how you're supposed to feel though in the first place, do you? <laughs> no, that's true. It's your first time, yeah. Do you still look in the mirror and think uh, I'm still that kid? I know. I still remember being a kid. I look in the mirror and think I'm fifty years old. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. I know a guy who's ninety six, and he's and he says all the time, "I may not look it, but I sure feel it." <laughs> but you're you're healthier than the average eighty year old that I know. Well, I think so too, because uh, I don't feel old. When's the last time you rode a horse? Oh, last week. There you go. Still riding a horse, so you know that's a regular thing. When when do you have any like anticipated time that you think maybe you'd be too old for riding a horse? I'm shooting for eighty five. There you go. Yeah, like uh, George H. W. Bush, you finally stopped. Um... Uh, skydiving with me you know i used to mountain bike a lot now i don't because as much because i know how long it would take to heal i know you're a re- <laughs> you're a really good horseman but i'm guessing you know if you flew off your horse it'd take a while to bounce back at this point well that's something that you don't do at my age i've done that about four years ago and I, i'm not going to do that again well the horse gets a say in it though doesn't he i mean what if you well, you know what Joe, you just got to buy a very old, slow horse. <laughs> <laughs> right, and and listen, if you're going to stop living, what's the point of living? Yes, exactly. No. Yeah, so, yeah, four years ago, that's when the horse, what, what caused your horse to throw you off? Oh, 
was going across the was going across the trail down in Apache Junction, and this lady come up out of a ditch, and all my horse could see when she popped out of there was his head, her head, and uh, the horse just freaked out, turned around right quick, and started going. Got my spurs stuck in his side, and he went to bucking, and I went out on my head. Ouch. And that's when you broke your pelvis? No, that was before that. Oh. Yeah, so this is a different this is a different time when you're almost eighty yeah. years old. Yeah, it's different. <laughs> yeah. So that but yeah, you can you can buy it usually costs more to buy horses that are way less likely to throw you off. So that's what you do once you turn eighty, I guess. So the yeah. reason the reason I wanted yeah. to have you on is um I have told a little bit about like your upbringing to people before, and they say that's not possibly true. Because people because people don't realize that rural America was uh, the way it was compared to big cities and the coasts in the United States. You were born in 1937, which is the easy math for being 80 years old. Um, where yeah. were Where were you born? Well, in uh, Decatur County, Iowa. And uh, how many brothers and sisters? Well, I have three brothers and three sisters. And uh, you were uh, how many born in a hospital? Uh, the very last one. The rest of you were born at home. And how old, how, how old were you when you guys got electricity? I was probably about 11 or 12. And I tell people that all the time, and they say that is not true. So that, that was is several, not... <laughs> several years post-WW2. Yeah, that yeah. Is not abs- that's possibly not true, that in 1949 you got electricity. But that is true. And I actually, after I got old enough to understand that what, what it was, I did more reading about it. FDR um, sent Herbert Hoover out across the country to do a study on what was going on because he realized that the the whole country was not on the same page. And Herbert Hoover came back and said, you're not going to believe this, but most of the country doesn't even have electricity yet. Wow. Because, like, Chicago had electricity in the 1880s. Yeah. Um, They didn't have electricity in Decatur, Iowa, in 1940. Well, see, this is the RE. That's when they had the REA. Came in and put in all the uh, lines out to the rural in the rural places. And so, what was what was the change like when you got electricity? I mean, that well, first of all, well, before you had you're, electricity, you went uh, home from school every day and turned up the switch to see if the lights was on yet. Yeah, because <laughs> it was so exciting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so exciting. So, would, would, but before you had the electricity, though, did you go to bed when it got dark, or what'd you do? No, uh, we had kerosene lamps, and uh, it didn't seem you didn't know any better, so it didn't seem like uh, it was a bad thing at all. So you didn't stare at the TV all day, hoping for electricity <laughs> to come on. There was no TVs. <laughs> Yeah, that's amazing. You got to get to the plumbing part, though. I mean, no electricity would be crazy, but uh, how old were you when uh, you got indoor plumbing? When I left home to go to college in 1955, we still didn't have running water. Wow. Wow. So you had a well? We had a well. Mm -hmm. And that's when you were in Beaconsfield, which... You had to go out and pump it and bring the water in the house in a bucket. Yeah, from the town pump, which when I, when when we were kids, we'd go visit Grandma and Grandpa, his parents, 
um, in Beaconsfield, Iowa, they have a town pump in the middle. And my brother and I would go to the town pump and pump water into a bucket because it was fun. The town pump was still there. Yeah. It was a thing. And everybody would yeah. walk there and you'd talk about, how's your night? Oh, pretty good. And everything sure. like everybody's filling a bucket up with water. So water cooler talk was pump talk. <laughs> yeah. Well yeah. talk. Well, and you know, it's funny. I got to make a, a little editorial comment here because you, you mentioned going off to college. And I think there's a tendency, I don't think it, I know it, among, you know, particularly urban people or whatever, to, to picture... Uh, a guy like you growing up where you did as like simple folk, listen to that, no indoor plumbing, no electricity, when the truth is, I'm guessing you and your buddies at age 18 were about 20 times more capable than a lot of the people who live with luxuries. I'll bet you could do a hell of a lot of useful things. Oh, yeah. You know, back in them days, you fixed your own cars and <laughs> you did everything. <laughs> So uh, going backwards a little bit, so uh, the the school situation, uh, what was your schooling like when you were a kid? Well, that's pretty interesting, too. I started in uh, a one-room schoolhouse from uh, grade or kindergarten through the fifth grade. And all the kids were in, uh, in, in one room, all grades? Kindergarten through eight was in one room, and the little kids listened to everything that was going on with the big kids, and... You got smarter quicker that way too. Yeah, I'll bet. And uh, and and, and then in the fifth grade we moved to a different uh, area, and then that, that's when I started going to the town school. Well, okay. And and uh, I graduated in a class of five. Five people in his graduating class. His his older brother Willis was the only person in his class. <laughs> yeah, he was the class president. Right. Wow. Yeah. So, Getting back to the... uh, me. I was the fifth fifth place in my class. (laughs) That looked pretty good on a resume. (laughs) That was good, wasn't it? Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Hey, but getting back to all the grades being together, how many kids total uh, typically? Uh, Did what? How many kids were in that room where all the grades were together? Well, I suppose about 15. Okay. So 15 kids in one uh, one school, and that's that school you've showed us before that's out in that field now. Um, how, how did you get there in the morning? We walked two miles to school, but now it wasn't uphill both ways. <laughs> <laughs> Snowed every day, even in August. Yeah, uh, well, yeah we, walked, we walked to school. It was two miles, and, uh, and then uh, we cut across the fields going, and then in the evening or coming home, uh, we'd all walk together down the road. So was your situation with no electricity and no plumbing until you went off to college, was that typical for people around there? Was that the way almost everybody was, or just a few people, or what? There, there was probably more that had all that than didn't by that time. Were they seen as, like, putting on airs or something, like being pretentious oh, with your indoor plumbing? We, we, we were all the same. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, but so, how does that whole thing work? The kids might have had running water and so forth, but they milked the cows before they came to school, and you could still smell the, you know. Right. But did you ever say, "Hey, Dad, how about a toilet? Come on now." <laughs> no, no, you don't. You didn't think about that. Right. Right. And so you had the outhouse outside, and if you had to relieve yourself, well, first of all, what your what was your sleeping situation? The sleeping situation. Yeah. Uh, well, well, you did, well you, just uh, two boys to a bed. And, and then if you had to get up in the middle of the night to relieve yourself, you had to go outside to the outhouse in the in the winter in Iowa. Yeah, you did. 
Wow. You know, I have sympathy for you as a kid, but now that I'm an older man, Ken, I really have sympathy for your dad. Because that seems to happen now again. Oh, I'm telling you, I might have a, a, a Gatorade bottle or a bedpan or something. I'm you would you uh, yeah. If you thought you were going to have to like at my current age, you have to yeah. go out maybe three times a night. You you'd monitor your liquid intake before you went to bed, or get a big Gatorade bottle <laughs> in yes. the middle of winter. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. So so those days, you took a whiz off the back porch. There you go. So were you? Were you Jack still does that? You know that, right? Oh yeah, he's teaching oh, yeah. your grandsons oh, yeah. to pee in the yard. Did you know Henry? If he if he's watching TV and he has to pee, he doesn't even think of going to the bathroom. He goes over the sliding glass door, he opens it, he stands there and pees into the bushes, and then comes back in the house. So I guess apparently it runs in our genes. Um, so were you were you paying attention to the outside world in Decatur County, Iowa? With no electricity and plumbing, I mean, were you aware that Chicago, which isn't even that far away, that they had electricity and all that stuff? Oh, I don't think we even thought about it. Right, right. Didn't that wasn't that wasn't even crossed your mind? You yeah. just had work to do, huh? Yeah, yeah. But you didn't feel you didn't feel like that. You you know you're being slighted at all. You didn't you didn't know any better. Sure. Yeah, that's so true. I think about the the size of the house I grew up in um, compared to the size of the house I own right now. And if I were to go back to that house, I think I'd feel really claustrophobic in it. But at the time, I loved it. It was home. It was perfectly comfortable. That's right. That's just the way it is. Uh, If you had to go back, you wouldn't like it so much. But at the time, it was no problem. Well, and certainly without social media and all that sort of stuff, you didn't spend all your time comparing yourself to other situations to, you know, coming up with reasons to feel bad. Um, you know, you, you, you didn't even think that way at all. Right. Speaking of which, we've been talking some this week about how, you know, cable news especially is just constant gloom and doom and hate and death and the rest of it. Um, do you watch it much? And, and do you ever think the difference between the life you were living back in Iowa and now all this input of ugliness? Well, you know, I follow the news pretty closely and... I uh, it it I don't like what's going on to tell you the truth. Yeah, yeah. I just I'm I'm starting to think it's not so healthy to take in too much of it. I don't think we're designed well, yeah, to. Yeah, you you can do it too much, and if that's the case, you just set the darn thing off and walk out in the yard and do something, or shoot it like Elvis. Oh yeah. <laughs> hey hey, Dad. Uh, before we let you go, uh, Michelangelo, who is uh, my mom's favorite, by uh, the way. Yeah, uh, I always can blame her. Um, uh, <laughs> Michelangelo has a question for you. Yeah, was Jack okay. a difficult child to raise? Was he? Yeah. No. He was not at all. Not, not a lot of discipline, huh? All of our kids was just pretty good easily to raise, yeah. Yeah, we should have you raise Henry. That's uh, um, that's nice. Now, do, do you remember the day you looked across the table at Jack during dinner and said, son, you don't need to make a joke about everything? Because he te- he's told me about that ten times. And I said it to Sam the other day. <laughs> oh, I imagine I said a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I did try to make a joke out of everything, which can be annoying, as I've now learned. Um, before we let you go, just in general, what do you... 
Do you have any comment on 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 eighty years of living? Any philosophy of life you've come up with, or any attitude or thing you'd tell somebody younger? Hey, trust me, when you get to be eighty, you'll wish you'd have done this or anything like that. I thought about that, and I think the main thing is just to stay active. Um, don't just be a couch potato. <laughs> have have some interest and get out and do something. Never say you're bored. Just get out and do something. Yeah, fill your days. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's great. Well, so what's your plan? I know you got a big plan for today. You're headed off to where? We're going to Laughlin for a couple of days. Because there's a big music festival, and it's going to be 110 degrees. Oh! <laughs> well, you know, there's a bar right inside the door. <laughs> All right. So stay hydrated. you got the indoor plumbing now, and it doesn't matter. you got to stay hydrated. <laughs> Get awesome. up as many times as you need. Awesome. Well, my dad, thanks for coming on, Dad. Yeah, Ken, it's great to talk to you and, and hear, you, hear from you. Yeah, good to talk to you guys again. You bet. I'll call you on your birthday. All right. All right, see ya. All right, bye-bye. Yeah. I know, it's just, it's it's how different rural America, and that's not just like a county and a state. Most of America was like that. The, the fact that the President of the United States was surprised by that yeah. also says something about, you know, the nature of life and connectedness in those days. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't a tragedy. I mean, I'm sure there was some old farmer who wandered out to the outhouse in the middle of the night in the winter, and he got lost, and he died. That's a tragedy. But the life that they were living then was not tragic nor horrifying. I got to admit, I didn't realize that they didn't have indoor plumbing until he when he went off to college. I didn't know it was that late. What's so this? that's nineteen fifty freaking five. Yeah, yeah. You know, I can't remember the setting, but we stayed somewhere at one point when I was a kid out in rural Illinois, where there was an outhouse. That was the only option. I can't remember. As a kid, I remember I was rather shocked, particularly by the odours. <laughs> the one-room schoolhouse is still there in a field. Mm. And uh, I've seen it a few years ago. The blackboard they would stand at and work on their, their ciphering. All of them in one room. Time to revive it. Call it a charter school. Get the kids to come in there. I want to say thank you for Jack's dad for coming on. I loved that segment. Thank you, Jack, for having the idea of bringing up Sean Goldstar next to that guest name. <laughs> Put him again. <laughs> Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Got a lot of texts from people who had uh, parents or grandparents with uh, similar lifestyles. Um, One thing that's interesting to me, because, you know, my job as a talk show host is to take something as charming and wholesome as an interview with my dad and turn it somehow negative and angry. Perfect. Um, Well, by the way, a lot of people talking about having party lines. My 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 uh, we'd go visit my grandpa and it was a house my dad uh, grew up in when he was a little bit older where they got electricity and, and that sort of stuff. And. They had one of those old-timey phones with the crank on it, and uh, you talk into the thing like you see on old-timey movies and whatever. Right. But a party line, I grew up with a party line. Mm-hmm. Those, those aren't that old, where you pick up the phone and there's somebody talking. Everybody's sharing the same phone in your, on your road or whatever. And you have to say, are you going to be off the phone soon? Because we need to call somebody. <laughs> Interrupt them. Yeah, it's give really, me two minutes. <laughs> it's really really weird to think about now. Yeah. But um. And people would eavesdrop, and it was considered incredibly rude, and you heard the click, and you Gladys, is that you? Get off the line. <laughs> I, knew there were, I know there was some of that. 
in America. But so you could have great grandparents growing up in San Francisco and they had electricity in the eight, late 1800s. Right. Uh, compared to uh, rural parts of the of the country where there was no electricity, you know, in, up until 1950. Um, and. Like my dad said, it's not like they were they they spent their time thinking about how miserable they were or how poor they were or anything like that. And nobody was screaming about income inequality and marching in the streets over it either and trying to convince them that they should be miserable and feel like they're being slighted somehow. Nurture a uh, 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 an obsession with grievance. Right. Right. They, the the message was here's how you get ahead. They're, they're, there's definitely an advantage. It's funny. It's been like a theme this week. There's an ad- an advantage to to less knowledge about everything that's going on in the world, and and not knowing how everybody lived everywhere else had to be an advantage for people without electricity and plumbing and that sort. If you, if they had the internet and Facebook, which would be weird with no electricity, you're going to have to suspend disbelief a little for this. But if you had the ability to compare yourself to everybody, you might make yourself pretty miserable. You know, I I need to quibble just a little bit. I'm sure your dad and and his friends knew about it, but what he said was we didn't think about it. Right. That's a huge difference because, you know, to know you know, my neighbor has a lot of money or something. All right, great. Who cares? I don't care. Um, but to be flogged with it constantly yeah. or, you know, just like the negativity and the horror of the news that we've been talking about. I am aware that people do terrible things, for instance, well, to other human beings. I'll leave it there. I don't want to go extra tragic because why would I bring people down? I know that. But I don't want to be subjected to it constantly. It's... You know, it's not ignorance is bliss at, at all. It's a question of what your inputs are and how often they are. That you just, yeah, you just uh, everything all the time is absolutely beyond a doubt unhealthy. When uh, we'd go visit my grandma and grandpa, where my dad grew up, I mean, that that town at that time had, I mean, it was just a, a gravel square with a couple of houses around it and a right. town pump in the middle, and uh, there was a little park there that we would play at. While we were visiting Grandma and Grandpa. And then the old school where my dad went to after they left the one-room schoolhouse. This is the big community school where they where he had a graduating class of five. Um, but it was crumbling. Fifth in his class. But it was falling down bricks, crumbling bricks and everything like that. And we'd go crawl around in there and on the bricks and stuff like that and broken glass. And I just think, how different <laughs> is that from the world that we have today? Yeah. No, no, you know, somebody, what if you cut yourself? You would sue somebody. It would bring the county to its knees. Right, right. Uh there's there's so much I, nost- I hate nostalgia. We talk about that all the time. I, I nostalgia is just, just, but so much that has changed is bad. So much that that has changed in the world is not good. We shouldn't be happy with all change, and assume it's all great. Oh yeah, not all uh, change is progress, right? Yeah, well, it's a, it's a, an empire that's peaked. Go back to England in 1703. I'm sure there was somebody who said, "I tell you what." I think we've uh, turned a corner and we're heading down uh, the wrong street. What's coming in up? a lot of ways. What's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Well, the American Red Cross caught up in controversy today. You got John McCain coming down hard on President Trump, and Facebook has launched a major new service. You heard about first from Mike Rowe on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Details coming up minutes from now, Armstrong and Getty. You know, just because I know we're going to be accused by some ninny as uh, uh, being nostalgic for the 50s. Oh, great, with racism and Jim Crow. No, 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 no. You change the stuff that's bad, and you keep the stuff that's good. Is it possible to imagine that? Well, right. It seems to me we're changing some of the stuff that's good. 
How about the racial stuff is is a, is a good change? How about the everybody sues everybody all the time is a bad thing? Is that possible, too? That's uh, far too complex a notion to uh, hold in my poor little head. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. You got to get an old slow horse. There's one thing we learned from that interview. <laughs> That's Thank- interesting because, you know, you'd think an old slow horse would be really cheap. No, a, a horse that is that is slow and behaved and not going to throw you off is is expensive. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I get it now that you mention it, but I wouldn't have guessed. Uh, welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show News Now with Marshall Phillips. Well, the American Red Cross Chief Public Affairs Officer says 91 cents of every dollar donated goes directly to relief efforts. Now, Susie DeFrancis, having to make that statement to MSNBC a day after a Red Cross executive made headlines for saying he wasn't really sure what percent of donations actually went to those in need, and the Red Cross has been taking heat in the past for keeping as much as 25% of donations to spend on administrative costs. And they've had some uh, uh, dust-ups over the years and how much they pay their various uh, people high up in their administration. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, DeFrance is saying the Red Cross will be releasing more information next week regarding what they're spending on Hurricane Harvey relief. But anyway, the, the fact that that person didn't have the correct information right. uh, you know, on the tip of their tongue is troublesome to me. It because, tells you right. something. It does tell yeah. you something because we work, we've worked with some organizations like Fisher House where they're so focused on that, everybody involved at every level could tell you exactly how much of a dollar goes to doing what you want it to do right. because that's so much of the focus. Right. This yeah. person fairly high up in the organization mm-hmm. couldn't have told you. And that's, but, that's something. And probably fairly well paid. You know, you'd think the exec would have those oh, sure. figures, you know, tip the uh, tip of his fingers. A lot of people in the Red Cross doing really good yeah. work, working really hard, all yeah. that sort of stuff. But I have no problem with continued public pressure for them to, you know, be as um, uh, careful with their money as possible. Sure. Uh, Senator John McCain wants to make something very clear to President Trump. The Arizona Republican says Congress does not answer to the president. In a WashPo op-ed, McCain said lawmakers respect the president's authority and constitutional responsibilities, but they are accountable to the American people. President Trump's been very unhappy with McCain for helping to kill the Senate Republican health care bill this summer. McCain will be back in Congress following the uh, August recess. That'll be next Tuesday. So he is he's trying to uh, let uh, the president know what's what in D.C. You know, and we're getting back to work and school and seriousness right. and the summer's over and it's foolishness, even though it's going to be, you know, people are going to die from the heat right. uh, in various places we're on the air. Um, but uh, in the same way, when I look at D.C. and the Trump administration, it is not the least bit surprising nor crazy. That, you know, with a, a political novice and, and, and trying to bring real change and not being a, a standard Republican, right. not having those relationships and disagreeing with the Republican Party you know, on a lot of things, blah, 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 blah. It's not that surprising that not a great deal has gotten done in terms of major legislative priority. I mean, the press is making a big deal of it because they hate Trump. It's not that surprising. It's just September 1st. On the other hand, if now till the end of the year... Is a series of swings and misses? Well, then, uh, you know, that'll be notable. You heard about this first from celebrity Mike Rowe on the Armstrong and Getty Show. 
Facebook is rolling out its new TV show platform called Watch to All Users in the U.S. over the next couple of days, just a couple of weeks after it began testing it. Now, Facebook's working with uh, Roe along with dozens of other content producers. They're putting together hundreds of shows, among them Roe's show Returning the Favor, which will focus on Americans' projects with the object of giving back to others. Hey, Eric, where's our show? That's our agent. So, uh, what, are you, what are we paying you for? Get us a Facebook show. So are there ads in the show like they do on TV or a banner at the bottom, or how are they making the money? I'm I, guessing you got a 15-second ad before uh, sure. the show rolls, that sure. sort of thing. Classic. It, it's it's YouTube. And Facebook is yeah. also very much into keeping people in the Facebook app. So right. just the longer you're there, if you don't have to go to Netflix to watch shows, you stay here, then you'll see our other banner ads, the other things uh, that we've funneled. Okay. So it's, right. it's more of a just a, a one-stop shop sort of approach. Right. Gotcha. That's interesting. And I'm sorry, did you say the viewership so far? No, no. Because uh, he, he had... This is like 24 hours after they released right. it. Three and a half million people right. had watched it, which would be a huge hit show uh, for a cable show. And it's amazing because it is not even available yet if, across the entire U.S. That's wow. why they're saying they're going to be unrolling this. They'll probably have it all done by the end of the she, Labor Day holiday. If they end up getting like seven, eight million people watching a show, which would be... Uh, just like the biggest show in America, if they're on cable yeah. news, mm-hmm. boy, that could really turn TV upside down. Uh, Judy watched a couple episodes of Mike's show uh, yesterday and it, it emerged misty-eyed. Said it was really beautifully done. Good. Uh, they're really, they're really nice stories about yeah. uh, good people doing good things. Too many good shows. Mm. That's the problem with the modern America. Well, that's <laughs> see, that's the advantage of you're flipping through your Facebook feed. And you see, oh, Mike Rose new project, and it's only fifteen minutes, and zingo. And I'm all right. Another fifteen minutes. That's that's interesting too. With with no longer kind of the constraints of television, you're able to make a ten minute thing, a twenty minute thing. You can just kind of make the make the length of it fit to whatever story you're trying to tell. That's interesting. That's wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the Voice of the West. You know, speaking of televised entertainment, Judy got sucked into some clickbait last night. We're sitting there on our little couch playing words with friends, etc. So she gets sucked into this, how good is your 1970s sitcom trivia? Or 70s and 80s or something like that. I can't remember. And we just absolutely slayed it. I mean, knew all of it. And and at this point, is it my point in life or the point in entertainment? I don't have the slightest interest in any sitcoms. I mean, I just, I can't imagine sitting down to watch a sitcom. Is that just me or is that the television world? I don't know. I don't actually know the answer to that. Are there any really good sitcoms out like there? Like on network TV, yeah, that sort of stuff? Or anywhere. There are popular ones like Big Bang Theory, but it's a different time. That's not good. A lot of people I like know. that. Well, I said popular. The country <laughs> is going straight into the dumper. Popular and good aren't always the same thing. In fact, they often aren't the same thing. Uh, a lot more on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. What the heck's Labor Day? Good question. Do you know, it's Monday. Do you know as late as the 18, uh, in the late 1800s, when Labor Day became a holiday in the United States, most American workers put in 12-hour, 7-day work weeks. Wow. I quit. <laughs> I'm wow. out. 7 to 7, probably. Something every like day. That. Every single Air ding day. dong day. It was the height of the Industrial Revolution in the United States, and workers had to work that much in order to make a living. 
At the time, although some states imposed restrictions on the age of workers, in some other states where children as young as five or six were working in mines, factories, and mills. I'm wow. going to tell my kids that, that today. Mention it to them. If this were the 1800s, you'd be in the mill, or a factory, or a mine. Working um, a 12-hour day, seven days a week. Uh, instead eight, of going to the pool to have an otter pop. Hey, Dad, I have no perspective on the 1880s. B, I don't even know what a mill is. <laughs> so... <laughs> Imagine what my kids would be doing in a mine. <laughs> or how well they'd be doing right. it. Right. Well, honestly, they'd get yelled at or kicked if they didn't do it right, so they learned quick enough. Children, the elderly, the poor, and recent immigrants often worked in unsafe conditions and at poor pay. In 1916, the eight-hour workday was established by the Adamson Act. Do-do-do-do. Adam. Adam's son. I'm sorry. Thought of the Adams family all of a sudden. Right. No. Wrong. Uh, making it the first federal law regulating work hours in private companies. Boy, I'll bet, the, I'll bet talk radio at the time in 1916. Uh, but they're really pushing back about the nanny state. Right. Doesn't think you should work 12 hours a day, seven days a week. It's the softening of America. We're it, a nation of eel caps. It is. Okay, well, this is a decent question throughout there. Why How do would, you get anything done in 11 hours? Why wouldn't the free market have taken care of that, where you run a, 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 a mill <laughs> and you have a, whatever that is better conditions and get better workers and uh, that so everybody else catches on and all that sort of stuff? Lack of mobility? Uh, yeah, maybe lack of knowledge. It'd be tough. Or is it to t- get to to know that over three towns over that the mill has much better working conditions and I wonder if if uns- take a while. I wonder if the free market for that sort of stuff for capital doesn't work as well with unskilled labor when you have skilled labor but I mean when it's a job that practically anybody can do maybe you just you know there, there's no such thing as we're getting the best people I don't need the best people I just need a guy who will stand here and swing this hammer <laughs> right right well yeah Although the market would take care of that eventually, but I remember vaguely from various econ classes and then projects we did and stuff like that, the availability of information is enormously important for a market to function efficiently. That's why, you know, like uh, the uh, the MLS service for listing your house revolutionized real estate because you could find out what houses were out there much more easily. Did you know? That uh, Labor Day has become so popular for shoppers, it's the second largest day for buying stuff in the United States. The first being Black Friday, which we know for a fact is not true, so this whole article is now bogus. Well, I'm sure there were mills in the 1880s. I don't know that the entire (laughs) thing is bogus. (laughs) Yeah, I think there was child labor and all that sort of stuff, but... uh... Yeah. God dang it, you were just talking to my dad and how he grew up and everything like that. Your your lot in life, based on where you grow up or what area you grow up, is amazing how much it can be different. Yep. My kids who have, you know, the typical uh, a modern middle class kid lifestyle, which is pretty cush. Plus goats. Which is pretty damned cush. You know, you got you, you. You don't get too hot. You don't get too cold. You have plenty of food. You don't have to work at all. Twelve all hours in a mine. Uh, versus, yeah, freaking working from the moment you can walk, which I'm sure it's still that way in a lot of the world. Yeah, I was just reading about some craziness going on in India, and yeah, you live in India, Bangladesh, you live in sub-Saharan Africa. Please, wouldn't you love to be able to interview? I've got a seven and a half year old. I would love to be able to interview a seven and a half year old who's been working in the factory since he was five, from the year 1890. Hmm. Uh, how different that kid would be. Well, or, he'd or, call you governor to begin with. 
Would he be amazingly similar to my son, Sam, or just like a different creature, like I'm talking to a 40-year-old dude? He's probably smoking and drinking. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. I, I wonder. wonder, too. Yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting and troubling thought. But yeah, you could ask him whatever you want. I'd imagine they would have a really stunted outlook on life. Yeah, the, the idea of fun... Probably practically non-existent, which is probably which is virtually the only thing in a, a modern American yep. five-year-old thinks about. Sure, is what's going to be fun. Sure, what's my fun stuff yeah. going to be today? And you got to make school fun so that they pay attention to that. See, no child labor, I think, is is huge progress. I'm for that in America. I, I think teenagers ought to be able to get jobs and work permits and stuff like that. I think it's good for you. Yeah, but... now we've gone so far the other direction that a 14-year-old can't work if they want to because somebody will sue somebody. Right. So, yeah. see, see, there are limits to these things. Yeah, yeah. So you want to bring back children working in factories. Yes, I do. I really do in my factories. I've got a new goal for if I ever have a time machine. It's to go back to the 1800s and interview a 7-year-old who's been working in a factory <laughs> since they were 5. You need to do better things with your time machine. <laughs> I don't know. That's a, are we under attack by elephants, by the way? No, there is, there is a, I mentioned this earlier, there is a drum line at one of the radio stations. Oh. Listen, you can't, maybe you can't hear it through our microphones, but like one of those you see marching bands on the field, just yeah. the drums doing their twirls and everything like that. There's one down there. Bass drum snares the whole thing. Yeah, okay. And well, we make just, them stop. It's bothering just, me. It's bothering you. You don't like music. You don't like art. No, I don't. You're one of those people. I'm a Maoist, yeah. Uh, no, it's just a little distracting. It sounds like we're under attack by Hannibal and, and his elephants crossing the Alps. I want to go down and watch. Maybe they'll let me uh, put a mallet on a bass drum. Boom, boom. Go ahead. I'd rather listen to the Armstrong and Getty show. Thank you very much, Vince. That away, Vince. Fascinating revelations about uh, Labor Day. Why do you think they have a drum line in there? I was trying to guess. Kickoff of college football season? Yeah, that could be it. Is it National Drum Day or anything no, like that? No, you know what it is? It's uh, Wear Your School Colors Day. I said to Judy, says who? Yeah. She said, the internet. Who, so I put on this Illinois t-shirt. Who invented that? I don't know, but I conformed. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.